0: welcome to the teaching ministry of elevation church today we will be hearing from lead pastor dave carroll as he teaches a message titled our big response let's join in now well good morning boy everybody's alive today i tell you what it was great to worship with you guys uh, If you have your Bible, take it and turn to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew, if you're new to the Bible, is the first book of the New Testament, and you're just a couple chapters in there. Matthew chapter 4, we're going to take a look at verse 18 through 22 today. And uh, as you're turning there, I just got to tell you, I am pumped about Christmas Eve. We are going to have an amazing Christmas Eve. Uh, We're expecting some... Uh, 300 people. Do you know we have th- uh, over a 1,000-plus invite tickets out? Uh, we, we've uh, been advertising on TV uh, and all kinds of things to see people introduced to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Isn't that the best thing on the planet to do? And that's what our church exists for. It's why we're here. And so if you would, remember on Christmas Eve, come a little early because all, all what you're used to, there will be double the seats, double the people, and uh, it's a family-style service, so all the kids will be in here as well. It will be a neat time, lots of creative elements, some things you've probably never even seen before in Christmas Eve, which is good to, to have every now and again to remind us of the birth of Christ. And so uh, hopefully you found Matthew chapter 4. And today, we will continue our series, The Big Give, and uh, we've been talking about uh, the simple concept that Jesus was given to us so that we can have life, we can receive life, and then we can, in turn, give back to the Lord and give back to others. And so we talked about our big need in Isaiah the prophet. Remember uh, King Ahaz? We had a choice to either be like King Ahaz or to be like Isaiah and waiting for God's timing and and being needy saying, God, I won't provide my own answer. I want your answer. And then last week we talked about how big our God is. Is there anyone in the room that serves a big God today? Yeah, he is huge. He is worthy to be praised. He is um, the King of Kings. He is the Lord of Lords. He is our everything. He is strong enough to reach down into your situation. This Christmas season and he is strong enough to save you he is strong enough to give you joy in the hardest of circumstance. He's strong enough to heal those who are sick. He is strong enough to do anything that, that we can imagine and even more. That's what the Bible says. And today, we will talk about the third element of the big give. And if God is going to give us something, that means we have to respond, doesn't it? We can't just receive the gift and uh, sit there blank face, but we have to respond. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. So it'll be a little bit different of a scripture um, than what you're used to. If you're new, we did read the Christmas passage just last week, and we were in Isaiah talking about prophecy uh, of the coming of Jesus. But today is a little bit different twist on our response. So before we get into God's word, let's bow for a word of prayer. Uh, God, I thank you for the opportunity and the privilege it is to have a high school so that we can have a new church body come and worship you, Lord, even in the middle of a ton of snow, Lord, of uh, slippery roads, uh, Lord, you've provided this place right now, and and so God, uh, just as we made the effort to show up today, God, would you give us the heart of someone who is in love with you as we study your word? God, give us the heart of someone who wants to know you more. Lord, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if we've known you all of our lives almost, or whether someone just came to you a few weeks ago. God, all of us need the living and active word of God poured into our lives. And so we ask today that you would pour and that you would find us people who are eager to receive what your word says. God, and desperate to know you more and to not do another church service, to not listen to another sermon, God, but to be vibrant and real in your presence. And so we thank you that you are strong enough to do that. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. amen. <clears throat> now, we're talking about response. And when we talk about response, uh, all of us here have received a gift at some point, haven't we? We've all received a gift at some point, And we've all given a gift. Now, I don't know about you, but the most awkward kind of Gift to give is to someone who you perceive needs nothing. (laughs) Uh, Case in point, Uh, We have the the big picture of God sending Jesus, and uh, does God need us to give anything back? Well, no, not, you know, you look and you go, well, he he owns everything, he has everything, he's big, he's strong, he's powerful. What could he possibly want from me? And and that's a little hard for us to understand, so I'm going to bring it down just one level to our earthly dad. Uh, I know that uh, once I got about eight or nine years old, and I don't know what age it was for you, but there was a point uh, where you become cognizant that you, you want to give a gift to, to your parents, right? You know, there's a kid and for a while you're like, oh yeah, it's Christmas toys, toys, toys. And then after a while you go, I think I, I need to give something back to, you know, to my mom or to my dad. Well, I remember the first time I decided to do that with my own money. It wasn't like mom buying something, sticking my name on it, you know what I'm saying? I, I did it with my own money and I was thinking, what could I buy my dad? I mean, my dad has, man, he has everything and I don't have that much money and The things he wants, there's no way I can afford. And so I was like, I know. I'm going to buy him honey roasted peanuts. All right? So I buy my dad honey roasted peanuts. And I wrap it up. I think I did it like the morning of Christmas or something. Ran down to Walgreens or whatever or Christmas Eve. Got it, like put it in a bag, put tape around it, gave it to him. Now, the first time he got that, the first time he got that, it was like, wow, thanks. That was amazing. You gave me a bag of honey roasted peanuts. I love honey roasted peanuts. Well, that was good. Well, Christmas number two came around, honey roasted peanuts. <laughs> Christmas number three, I'm not lying. I'm not making this up. Honey roasted peanuts. <laughs> Christmas number four, I think I went a little different. Got chocolate covered. Peanuts, right? And, and by Christmas number four, it, you know, it went from this huge response uh, of, wow, this is incredible. You gave me something to, you know, my dad going, let me guess. Peanuts, right? Peanuts. Well, you know, God gave us the gift of Christ, and and when we first came to know Him, you know, really all we had to give was peanuts. You know what I'm saying? And, and really, at the end of the day, it's still all we have to give in the grand scheme of things. But the truth is, is that our response to God over Christmas can get better and better and better every year. You get what I'm saying? It doesn't have to be the same. We get in the monotony of, well, Christmas. I come to a Christmas Eve service. I dress my family up. We stand. We sing the song. Yeah, uh, we give a few gifts. We might even say a prayer. And uh, isn't that just what you're supposed to give to God at Christmas all the time? And I believe that God is asking for something a little deeper from us as we move along in our walk with God. If you're new uh, to, to Christ, give the peanuts. And, and if, you, uh, if you do not know Christ, if you walked in this room without a relationship with God, well then, you know what, today you need to find the peanuts. You can give the peanuts to him. You know what I'm saying? You, you need to go ride your bike over to Walgreens, uh, i.e. come to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior and surrender to him and, and repent and turn from your sins and believe. But, but today, you may wonder, what is it that God really wants from me as a response to Christmas to his son's birth what is it what does he want from me have you ever stopped and asked yourself that what could God possibly want if he gave the gift of Christ what could he possibly want in return well I believe the answer is found through the word picture through the story of a few a few guys in Matthew chapter 4 because here's the good news Many times, the reason why we miss how to respond to God for Christmas is that we think he's still in the manger. You know, many times, like Easter, we think we have to tell you every Easter, you know, and I have to tell myself, he's not in the grave anymore. He's alive. Well, guess what? In the same way, Jesus is not in the manger anymore. You know, we don't have to come and and bow down to a manger and do all that, and it's nice to have a nativity scene and all that sort of thing and, and to remind yourself of the moment but that's not really what God is after because Jesus is no longer in the manger. In fact, he's not even in the grave. He's, he's up in heaven at the right hand of the throne of God. And, and so what do you do? How do you follow Jesus in response to Christmas? Check it out. Let's read together. Matthew chapter 4, verse 18 through 22. This is way past Christmas. This is about 30 years past Christmas. But we're about 2,000 years past Christmas, so I thought it would be a little bit more relevant to us today. You know what I'm saying? And here's what's happening. Not baby Jesus, but adult Jesus is walking by the Sea of Galilee. He sees two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and Andrew, his brother. They were casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, repeat this after, what, let's all say it together. What do he say? Follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. He called them, and immediately they left their boat and their father. And what did they do? They followed him. What is the response? What does God want from us this Christmas? Here's your first blank. If you're taking notes, it's on the the back of your program there. You can write it in if you don't have it. It also has a few scriptures there for you. You can see on the screen or there. Your first blank is how do we respond? Here's the big idea. We follow Jesus. We follow him. We follow his example. We follow the things he set out for us to do. In other words, he is our leader. We are the follower. He is the master. We are the servant. He is the CEO. We are the runt. You understand what's happening? We follow the orders of Jesus. And so there are a million things. And um, this is a little bit different type of message than what we've done in a while um, It's a true topical message on following Jesus because that is the true response that Jesus is looking for out of you and I this Christmas. Um, Here's a few reasons why we have to follow Jesus. Number one, when you truly follow him, it, it lengthens out. The amount of time that you give to God. You see, many times we're looking for just a quick uh, response like, oh, it's Christmas time, so I'll do this. And and following uh, is a lot longer deal. Following says, I'm right now at point A. We are at December 22nd sitting in a worship service, and I'm going to respond to God by following him all the way until the end of my life wow, that's a pretty big gift, isn't it, when you think about it? Now, I know God may be looking down and go, well, I don't know about how big a gift that is, but when you look in terms of your life, saying my entire life, all the time that's encompassed, all the relationships that it, that it engulfs, all of the dollars you will earn, all of the things you will do, all of it will be lived for one purpose, to follow Christ. That's huge, isn't it? That's quite a gift. And so I There, like I said, there are a million things we could talk about in following Jesus, but I've picked four that Christmas should should well up in us. And the first one is this: it's belief. That's your first blank. The first way we can follow Jesus is through belief. Now, we're not talking about belief like, yeah, I know that's true. Uh, We're talking about uh, belief that penetrates from your heart, soul, your mind, your strength. In the core of your being to where now you are no longer controlled by yourself, but you're controlled by God. Um, the Bible calls this in Ephesians 2. We are saved by grace through faith. And when we're saved by grace through faith, that is called belief. Very popular scripture. Check this out. It, it speaks, to, uh, speaks to belief and, and is very Christmassy in nature, even though it's not often attributed to Christmas. Check it out. John 3.16. For God... So loved the world that he, what's that word? He gave, there's our big give. His only, what's the next word? Begotten, stop for a second. Begotten. This word gets skipped over, and I'll tell you this is the word of that scripture that makes or breaks belief. Remember um, what we talked about last week and the virgin birth. Those of you who are here that you can't be a Christian and deny the virgin birth uh, because of the deity of Christ of all those types of things. Well, the word begotten here really me is has carries with it more of an idea that he became his. It's his only son. He became a. A man, right? It's not Jesus was born, and that was the first point of his existence. You know, many times we call it Jesus birthday, right? <laughs> that's kind of how we think of it. But the the trouble with that is, is Jesus had uh, if that's his birthday, Jesus had negative years. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Because Jesus is eternal, and, and this is part of our belief structure that Jesus stands outside of time. It's hard to fathom. It hurts your head. But he he is outside the beginning of time. He is outside the end of time, and it was really what it is when it says that he gave his only begotten son it means that God who stands above and outside of time he pierced through that he pierced through the time he pierced through the world he did everything he became a man why the scripture says there because of God's great love and this is what it says about um, Jesus being begotten piercing in through time and space that whoever this is a great promise today if you came in and you do not know Jesus That whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. What an incredible thing. You may say, Dave, I want to believe this Christmas. I want to follow God through my beliefs. Um, Let me give you a few things. You may want to write these down that you can do in response to Christmas to follow God through belief. Number one, make a commitment to deepen your knowledge of God's word. Make a commitment to deepen your knowledge of God's Word. In other words, it doesn't matter if you walked in here and you're the biggest Bible scholar, or you walked in here and you're saying, Dave, what page is Matthew on again? You know, if, if baby step one is you got to find out, is you know where Matthew is without a page number. That's deepening your knowledge of God's Word. All right? If... if Baby step two is, hey, I'm going to memorize scripture. Whatever it is. Uh, baby step three is, I'm going to find out something about God that I've heard in church, but I wonder. Hey, I'm going to research that and figure it out. Deepen your your knowledge of God's word. Here's the second thing. Get God right. Get God right. Write that down. Get God right. We have to begin getting the Lord Jesus right. Um, There are so many things that we're bombarded with in the internet age. We hear from so many preachers. I know that the average person sitting in a church service is going, golly, who is right? Who is right? Well, here's what what I told you. This is why I told you number one. If you deepen your knowledge of this, it will be very obvious who is right. You understand what I'm saying? And this is how you follow God. This is what he wants from you this Christmas. You're saying, what can I give God? What's the big gift I can give him? Belief. Give him the gift of God. I'm going to dedicate my heart and my mind, my soul to belief. It's kind of like marriage, you know? Um, There are some shotgun weddings in Vegas, right? Some people who got married in front of Elvis and all that sort of thing. But most people... Most people, when they get married, they spend at least a few months trying to get to know their spouse, trying to get to know what's happening, and and they they do the research. They put the work in because they're going, well, if I'm going to spend the rest of my life with this person, I better know a little bit about it. Well, we have to do the same thing with belief. We have to get to know who God is, and there's a million things like uh, maybe you don't know, understand the Trinity. You know, get to understand the Trinity. Maybe you don't understand the deity of Christ and, and that he is truly God. Many people say he's simply the Son of God. And not God, and that is false; he is truly God. Get to know who He is, so give him the gift of belief. What do you need to do to stretch your belief in Christ to know more about who he is? because when you know more, and now if you just stay there, you get a big head and you fall down to the ground right boom but if you know more and you begin to keep, continue following Christ in other ways, belief is like the, the fuel in the engine that drives the car forward. This is why we must get to um, follow Christ through belief. Check out number two. Number two is engage in godliness. Engage in godliness. All right, check out what 1 Timothy 4.8 says. It says, for while bodily training is of some value, and the Lord knows that I need to do some bodily training in 2014, okay? About 30 pounds worth of bodily training. Amen? Can I get an amen in there? Yeah. Hey, not to me. Not to me. Um, <laughs> for while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way. Now remember, if you don't get your beliefs right, it's hard to be godly because you're not sure who God is, so you can't be godly. So godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life but also for the life to come. And, and then check out this next scripture about godliness. This one is hard-hitting. I read this, and I just thought, ooh, you, can't, you almost can't read it. It doesn't matter who you are, without cringing and going, okay, God, that's enough. Let's stop reading this verse. Here's what it says in 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days, do you think that we're at least closer to the last days than we used to be? I do. In the last days, there will be very difficult times. For people will love only themselves and their money. Whoa, Christmas, huh? Wow. People will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. Has ungratefulness penetrated your heart this Christmas? They will consider nothing sacred. Is anything sacred in your life? They will be unloving, unforgiving. Have you given God the gift? Have you engaged in godliness, given him the gift of forgiving someone who doesn't deserve it the way God has forgiven you? Have you given that gift to God? They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride and love pleasure. Rather than God. Wow. They will act religious. But they will reject the power that could make them godly. What does 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5 say? Stay away from people like that. Wow. You know, when we get to Christmas, there are a million things we can engage our life in. Yeah, we give it in gift giving, and that's a good thing. <laughs> but you know what we also get caught up in? We get caught up more in what a bearded guy who makes duck calls says. <laughs> and, and, and as good as that, you know what, and as fun and good and, and strong as that is, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm not telling you, okay? We, we get caught up in those kind of things, and you know what it does? It takes our eyes right off of Jesus, and we engage into those conversations. We engage into arguments. We engage into all sorts of stuff. And slowly but surely, it takes our eyes off of God, and we engage sometimes the good things, but what we need to do is leave the good things for the great things. Does that make sense? Engage God in the greatest callings of your life and don't get sidetracked. You may say, what should I Engage in godliness. What what does that mean to do? Here's here's the first one. You can write this down. Um, this is about your morals. Number one, your morals. Maybe this Christmas you can give God the response of, you know what, I'm going to up my standard of of li- you know what. I'm talking about practical stuff, you know, and and it's like, you may say, Dave, are you nitpicking about? No, it's not me. It's between you and God. I'm not going to nitpick. I don't know what little thing needs to change, but when you talk about morals and standards, oftentimes it's the little things. You know, I remember, uh, back in college, for instance, just to give you an example of what it means to engage in godliness, um, and kind of disengage from ungodliness. Um, God convicted me one time about my music that I listened to. And, uh, And it wasn't one of those things, like, I'm not one of those things, one of those guys that's like, oh, you have to listen to only that. No, that's not me at all. As a matter of fact, I would probably blush if you saw my music library, okay, as a pastor. But here's the thing. Uh, God convicted me, hey, dude, you've gone too far. You've let your standard drop with music. And I clearly heard God tell me when I asked him, hey, you need to chunk that stuff. And my first answer is, but God. You know that's what he's asking for. That's what he wants my response. But God, you know how much those CDs cost. It's back when we had CDs, and uh, and I went and I was like, ah, I don't know. Okay, I'll do it tomorrow. Well, would you know that the day that God impressed on my heart, I woke up the next morning and my car was broken into, and there was only one thing gone from my car. Can you guess what all those what that was? It was my CDs. And it wasn't just the ones that God was impressing to get rid of. It was all of them. It was all of them. And I thought, oh, man. Oh, man. If I had just given God the response, the gift he wanted, when he wanted it, if I had just engaged in godliness when he asked me to, man, I would have missed out. I would have missed out on losing a bunch of money and a bunch of things that were good that I intended to keep. And you know what? I use the illustration of a CD. But here's the truth. Here's the truth. There are much more important things in life that we're holding back from God in our standards and our morals. And we're not engaging in who God is and his standards for our life. It could be our speech. It could be our thought life. Guys, thought life is so hard because usually guys are the only ones who know the thought life. And it never gets out. But maybe it's, I'm going to clean up my thought life before the Lord. Uh, ladies, it could be, you know what, I'm going to clean up my emotions and my responses to, to what the things that life throws at me. It's our morals and standards. But here's the next thing. Um, yes, it's morals and standards. But most, most important, God is not after just a bunch of rules. Engage in relationship with God. Yes, engage the standards and the morals of God, but engage in relationship with God. Why does God want you to up your game for him in response to Christmas? It's because the less sin is in your life and the more godliness is in your life, the more relationship will grow closer to God. Many of us wonder why we get so far away from God over the course of the year. It's because we, our eyes get taken off uh, but if we spent every day like we're responding to God for his gift of Christmas and responding to God for his sacrifice and his miracle in Easter, if we lived every day like that and we upped our game in our morals and our standards and we upped our game in relationship, we would find ourselves at the at the feet of Jesus just hugging him as strong as we could, and we would be close, and we'd have this love for God that just pours out of our life. Isn't that what you want today? A love for God that everyone can see, that everyone can see. I don't know what the standard is that you have to do. Maybe you're getting too close to someone at work, and and you need to back off and strengthen your marriage. Maybe you've been greedy with money. I don't know what it is. You can read that 2 Timothy 3 verse, and it'll it'll just, um, I don't know. I read it and kind of went, ooh, you know, all over. Maybe you could reread that and say, God, I'm going to up my game in this area. Just do that. Here's the third one, and I love this. We're going to come back to Matthew chapter 4 here. Your third blank, how we follow Jesus is we abandon average. We abandon average, all right now, the miracle of Christmas <clears throat> is only the beginning for the person who surrenders to God. Many of us got excited the day that we were saved, or if you're if you 're not saved in this room, you would get excited if you came to Christ and, and you would get gung ho, yeah, woo, but you know surely everybody kind of drifts back to average. Doesn't life kind of drift back to average? You get married and it's real big and now marriage drifts back to average. You buy a brand new car, about four or five years later, that drifts back to average, doesn't it? It's like you get a job and a new boss because your old boss is never as good as your new boss, right? Especially when your boss is new but then when that person becomes your old boss, well then your old boss, you need a new boss, right? Because the old boss is average. It's like everything kind of drifts back to average but we have to abandon average and I want us to revisit this response to Jesus by the first disciples and by the way these were the first disciples check out Matthew 4 18 through 22 we're going to read it again but I want you to look at it through the eyes this time of people who were in the everyday regular Joe do your job go home, eat a meal, go to sleep, maybe help put the kids to bed, wake up, do your job. They were caught in average. But I want to tell you, this is what the miracle of Christmas is, that your life doesn't have to be average anymore. Look what they did. It says, And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea. For they were who? Fishermen. That was their everyday job. But can you imagine some dude walking by By the lake, maybe they're having a good catch. Maybe they're not. Who knows what the day is bringing? And he says to me, hey, don't do that over there. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They had a huge choice to respond to Jesus with. Am I going to do what I've always done? Am I going to be who I've always been? Am I going to live the same average life? Or am I going to take a step away and I'm not even sure how my bills are going to be paid. I'm not even sure who my friends are going to be. Because I follow this guy named Jesus who asked me to come with him. Christmas. The, the response of Christmas. How do we respond to the big gift? The big response of saying, God, I drop my nets. I drop my rod. I, I drop it. I, I'm now yours. And you know what the, the cool thing was? When you read down through the Gospels, these guys still got to fish, like for fish, right? It's not that when they followed Jesus, they lost everything, but now the main priority of their life became several things, and I want you to write these down, because this is how they abandoned average. Their new goal was the reconciliation of people to God. That's number one. How did they abandon average? Their chief focus The reconciliation of people to God. This showed up because a few years later, after they dropped their nets, there was a guy named Peter preaching to a a room about this size today. There were about this many people. And you want to know what? He shared what's called the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus Christ. And that day, thousands of souls were saved. And do you know that we're here 2,000 years later because that guy chose to drop his nets? Isn't that incredible? And that was his response to Christmas. Peter, he knew. He knew the story. He knew about Jesus. He knew exactly, oh, that's the guy that was born and that Herod tried to kill. And he, and he was teaching in the temple at 12. Yeah, we know who this guy is. They knew full well. They'd heard it the whole region had heard it. And they were the nuts that decided to abandon average, and and they did this by walking with Jesus as he reconciled people to himself. Here's the second way you abandon average. You have to drop the average things. You have to drop the average things. There's many many ways uh, that we try to serve God, but most of the time we do it on our terms. When we drop average, really what I'm talking about is, God, I'm not going to do things my way. I'm not going to tell you how I'm going to give you a gift this Christmas. I'm not going to tell you how I respond to your great love. God, I'm going to let your word, I'm going to let your ways dictate what I'm doing. You know, here's, here's some of the way you can tell a person who is abandoning average. They're trusting God in all of their circumstance. You know, um, are you willing to write a big check, and I'm not talking about to the church, don't go, oh, is he talking about money to the church? No. Are you writing, willing to write a big check where you go, oh, I'm sacrificing, I'm trusting God, I'm going to help someone else who needs help. Are you willing to to take a a vehicle and find someone in need are you willing to do what god calls true religion pure religion and the, uh, and that's to minister to the orphans the widows right the down and out that's what james chapter one says are you willing to take the resource of your life the things the world says this is worth a lot and say they're worthless i, I just want christ you can have it see because when you abandon average here's the great truth The great truth. When you abandon average, you have the flow and the power of God in your life. And it's funny how he provides. It's funny how he provides. You know, there are missionary stories of people who have gone and given up their whole life. And God could be calling you in response to Christmas. He could be calling you to the mission field. He could be calling you to ministry. He could be calling you to finally, some of you are going, whoa, that's huge, Dave. Why don't we back off a little bit? He could be calling you to open your mouth and share the gospel to the coworker who works in the cubicle next door to you. I don't know, or anything in between, but we must abandon average, because when we do, that's when we see the power of God. Do you want the power of God in your life? Abandon average. Abandon it. Run from it like the plague. Here's the fourth way we can follow Jesus and, and give him the gift of following. That's Christmas, the fourth and final way. It is to wait patiently for his second coming. <clears throat> Listen to Matthew 24, verses 42 through 44. Therefore, stay awake. Don't fall asleep in your faith. Pay attention to it every day. Stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Check this out. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. And here's your your blank. The first coming of Jesus was to extend God's grace and mercy. The miracle of Christmas, the big give, is that God showed up. He became a man, fully God, fully man, for about 33 years. That was the miracle of Christmas. The miracle of Easter is that he paid the wrath of God and the judgment of sin. And that if we believe on him, on, he'll cover that. He'll say, I got that payment. That's on, that's on my cross, not theirs. But here's the truth. You want to give God a great gift for his first coming? Live for his second coming because the second coming will carry judgment. You see, the first time he came as a little baby, we talked about how hopeless he was, but yet how powerful he was last week. How he was on on a trip to Egypt and, and, and the care of Joseph and Mary kind of helpless, and yet in that he was accomplishing even fulfilling prophecy. But... But the second coming will be a lot different. And here's the thing. We believe the first coming because it happened. It's a historical event. No one can dispute it. Jesus Christ was born. But the second coming, everybody goes, "Ah, I don't know. I don't know. Is he really coming back? We need to be the kind of people who say, this Christmas, it's reminding me that the first coming means that there will be a second coming. And we're sure of it. And we have hope in our Savior. We have, we have joy in difficult circumstances. We can give God everything he asked for because we know just as surely as Christmas happened, His return will happen. And he's coming for those who believe in him, those who are his children, those who are the people who are pressing on through the difficult times, through the times of doubt. If you're like me, there are times in this world where you wake up and you go, God, are you there? Are you really there? Are you sure? But by faith, we trust that Jesus Christ is returning again. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is coming again? And this is the gift of Christmas that we live and we follow Jesus, like not that he came one time, but that he's coming another time. And that when we show up, we're going to stand before him and answer before him. And, and, and our only hope is that Jesus Christ, the one who came at Christmas, will jump in front and go, whoa, 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 no more questions. I got it. I got it. It's good. I got this one. And that's who God wants to be for you. And here's the, here's the great truth in that. If you'll give God the right response now in this life, here's the cool thing. When he comes again, he will give back to you even more in the gift of eternity with him in heaven. Isn't that phenomenal? That's phenomenal. And this is what following Jesus is about. And, and I want to encourage you as we come to response and the band comes to play. I want to ask you the question. Are you truly following Jesus? by deepening your belief, by engaging in godliness, by abandoning the average things of this world and doing what the, everyone else in the world does and say, no, I'm, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to live the miraculous life and drop my nets in response to God's big gift of Jesus at Christmas. Are you waiting patiently for his second coming? Now, if you came today in the room and You do not know Jesus Christ. I want to give you a little bit of an example. Your first step is the gift of belief by grace through faith. You're placing your faith in Jesus. But many times when it comes to belief, we are like the three-year-old son. Now, I've had four boys, and uh, three of them have crossed the three-, four-year-old threshold. And here's what I found that's neat about, like, three-year-old boys, sometimes two, sometimes a little early four, is that when you play, you can play hide-and-go-seek with a little boy that age, by doing one thing. You don't have to go anywhere. You just place your hand over their eyes. And you say, where am I? And they say, and you know, and they're like, I don't know. You know, they think, uh, you know, some um, psychologists believe that they truly believe that, that you cannot see them when you cover their eyes. All right? They, they, truly, they think that that's true. And, and many times, um, if you walked in the room and you have never made a decision... To follow Jesus Christ, you've never placed your faith in Him, you never believe we'll talk about what that is in a second. You're kind of like the three- or four-year-old kid with your hand over your eyes, saying, "God, you can't see me, I don't believe in you, you're not there." And all the while he's standing right there in front of you, going, "I'm here. Just lift the hand up. Lift the hand up. Let me ask you today, do you need to lift the hand up? Here's how you do that. The Bible is very clear about how you have salvation, how you begin a relationship with God. And if you're in the room and you're one of these people, hear me on this. The Bible says this, that if you'll believe that Jesus is God, that that the Son was sent to live a perfect sinless life, to die on a cross, shed his blood for the remission of sin, Rose again on the third day, ascended to heaven, sits at the right hand of the throne of God, and he will come again. The Bible says if you'll believe that in your heart and depend on it for your salvation, you will be saved. Isn't that an amazing gift? What an amazing gift. The Bible says because that, you repent, you turn from your sin, you up your game, your standard of life, and you live for God. If you want to do that today, I'm going to give you a chance. But here's another thing for, the, for those of us in here. What place in your life, for the rest of us who are Christians, you know who God is. Even when you put your hand in front of the face, you go, I know he's there. I just have my hand. I just want to play pretend for a second. Like God doesn't see my life. Let me ask you a question. Where are you putting your hand over your eyes in your life so that you don't have to follow Jesus, so that you can play pretend. Maybe one of these areas. This Christmas, I want to encourage you to do this. Take the hand up. Take the hand up. And give God back the gift of your life, Christian. Fully devoted, following. Drop the net. Stop giving the peanuts. You get what I'm saying? Give God your best. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Elevation Church. You can find out more about our church or listen to other messages at com. Thanks again for listening and have a great day.